Okay. We have been going through our series in the book of James, and what uh, we've really come to a, a particular part. Here, I'm just going to throw this down. Uh, we've really come to a particular part where we're transitioning into kind of the final, final stages of the book here, okay? And so uh, if you have your sheet or if you have your Bibles, open them up to uh, James chapter 5. James chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse, verses 13 uh, through 15 today, okay? James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Let me read this uh, for you guys to kind of start this out. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? He must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He must sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders of the church, and they must pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is weary, and the Lord will raise him. And we'll stop right there. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you, God, that you are a God who listens to prayer. You listen to the voice of men. And that is an amazing thought, considering that you are God and that you are holy and that there is no one like you. So why would you listen to us? But Father, there is such a great expression that is communicated through prayer that we need to learn this morning. And uh, there, there is such a great encouragement that it gives us when we understand the place that prayer has in our lives. So Father, I pray that you would guide us and help us to learn and to listen and to be attentive. And may we come away encouraged and ready to, uh, to live out this word. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Uh, years ago, there was a man named Wally Johnstone. Wally Johnstone. Uh, he had a really bad cancer on his lip, and uh, the cancer had been removed in years past, but it came back and it resurfaced again. Uh, The doctors told Wally that the cancer uh, would progress down his throat and into his jugular vein, and he would actually pass away uh, really soon. And so what John Stone did, what Wally did, uh, was he called uh, his pastor. And he was a new Christian, and he was reading James 5.14, and he said, Pastor, he's like, get the deacons over here and pray for me, and pray for me. So the pastor called uh, his father, and he said, uh, I want you to get the deacon board together and meet me at uh, Wally's house. And so when they arrived, Wally said, I was reading in the book of James that if anyone is sick, he needs to call for the elders of the church who are to anoint him with oil and pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord will raise him up. Okay? And so he says, I've done that. I've done what the Lord has told me to do, and I called for the elders. Now you men are going to anoint me with oil, lay hands on me, and pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord is going to heal me. That's what he said. So they gathered around him, they anointed him with oil, and they began to pray. While they were praying, the cancer literally fell off uh, Wally's lip onto the floor, 
and he lived to be 92 years old. Now, he was an older man, so, I mean, he lived maybe, I don't know, 10, 10 or 12 more years, something like that. But that's, that's amazing. That's an amazing story. And there are many Christians today out there who believe that modern-day miracles are true, that they actually happen, that if you, you, if you pray, uh, if you have enough faith in your prayer, uh, God will heal you from whatever disease or problem that you have. People actually believe that. People actually believe that. And, and this, kind of exi- this gives us an example of one that's like, well, did it really happen? Is that really true? But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Not everyone who follows the procedure outlined in James 5, 13 through 15, which is our passage we're going to look at this morning, not everyone who does that gets healed. Not everyone who does that gets healed. Uh, Just because you call for the elders of the church and have them anoint you with some kind of an oil and have them pray over you, it doesn't mean you're going to be cured of your illness or your disease. It doesn't mean that. Uh, it's, not a, like, it's not a guarantee if that's going to happen. You know, if you have a broken bone, it's not like it's just magically, magically going to repair. But many Christians treat this text like that. They do. Uh, as if it's some kind of a magical potion that automatically cures all your problems. And so the question is, is that what James 5, 13 through 15 is talking about? Is it a promise? Is it a guarantee that if you pray hard enough, you, uh, if you believe strongly enough, you're going to get healed. And so the problem is that tons of people all the time say that they pray this and they have faith and then nothing happens. And so what is this passage doing in our Bibles? What is it doing in our Bibles? If it's not a promise, then what is it? What is it? James doesn't say, this might happen, you might get saved, uh, you might be raised up and, and be restored. He says it will happen. It will happen. So what is he talking about here? What is he talking about? Uh, if this doesn't happen all the time, did God lie? Did God lie? That, that's, the, that's, that's a real question. That's, that's an important question. And so uh, this is really, really significant. This isn't a small issue at all. And some people will try to make sense of this by saying, by saying this, okay? They'll say, the sovereignty of God is difficult to answer. Why does God heal some and not others? And they say, I don't know. I don't know. But this is not for me to figure out or question. Our responsibility is to come in faith and pray, believing that the Lord will raise them up and he will perform the miraculous but it doesn't always happen. So why does God choose to do this? Why does God choose to heal some, but not to heal others? Why does that happen? But God cannot lie. We know this. Uh, Titus 1.3 says it. God cannot lie. And so the issue here is not with God, uh, but it's with us. God did not make a promise he couldn't keep, we have misused a text that we have misread. We've misread this text. We misunderstand it. We don't know what it's talking about, if that's the case. And so the question of the hour that we're going to answer this morning, uh, in, in one sense, is this. Can we perform healing miracles today? Can we perform healing miracles today? That's the question. If we can do miracles, 
Why doesn't it happen all the time? It's a good question. If we can't do miracles, then what is James saying in the passage before us this morning? Okay? And so in order to really understand this, we have to get the big idea. We have to get the big idea of what James is talking about in this passage. What is James really after this morning? What is he after? What is he getting at? We're going to learn today that God cares about what you do and how you do it in every situation of life, okay? That's the main point. God cares about what you do and how you do it in every situation of life, okay? I'm going to repeat that one more time. God cares about what you do and how you do it in every situation of life. That's the point of this passage. And so by the end, you're going to see that this principle really answers this daunting question before us. Can we do healing miracles today? Okay? And so what we're going to, what we're going to see here uh, is, is two things. We're going to see two things. One is there is a right course of action to every situation of life. There is a right course of action to every situation of life, and that is this. Turn to God. Turn to God, okay? In other words, the right thing to do in every situation of life is to channel your attention, your thoughts, your energy, your words, your actions, everything to God. Every situation requires that. Uh, Just like, um, you know, like you have pipes in your house and the pipes channel the water to your sink and to your shower and all these different places in your house, right? You don't see water just, you know, filling up your house. You know, there's water that's channeled in particular places, right? Well, there are, every situation of life requires you to channel all of who you are into one direction, and that direction is God himself, okay? And so, really, that's, that's kind of the focus of what James is talking about here. So, look at, look at James 5.13, okay? Look at the first verse. He says, is anyone among you suffering? He must pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? He must sing praises. James gives us two situations in life. Two situations, okay? One is a good situation, and one is a bad situation. There are times in your life when you go through hard times, and there's times in your life when you go through good times, right? There's a difference between the day that you ace a math test and the day that you flunk it, right? There's a, there's a difference between the day that you get a new cute little puppy and the day you have to put them down, right? It's really sad. I'm sorry, but I hope you've never had to do that. But I had, so it's... But there's a difference between the day you buy a new car and the day you wreck it, right? So there's a difference, right? We know this. Everyone experiences good and bad times. James 5.13 describes for us two extremes of life, two extremes. One is good, and what is bad. Everything in life falls into one of these two categories or somewhere in between, okay? And so he captures this in the form of a question. Is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you suffering? James asks what is called a rhetorical question. This is a rhetorical question. 
The rhetorical question is just a fancy way of saying that the answer to the question is obvious. It's obvious. There's only one answer. There's only one answer to this. Is anyone among you suffering? Yes, of course. Someone's got to be suffering. Someone's got to be suffering. The second question, is anyone among you cheerful? Yes. There's bound to be someone who's cheerful in life. Uh, Not everyone is suffering. Not everyone is cheerful. There's bound to be a mix of people. And so there are always Christians suffering around the world. There's always Christians suffering around around the world. There's always Christians enjoying life around the world. There's, There's two types of situations. There's ups and there's downs. Uh, There's highs and there's lows. But notice his answer. This is his answer. He says, is anyone among you suffering? He must pray. He must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He must sing praises. Sing praises. What do these things have in common? What do they have in common? Notice both of them are expressions of worship to God. Both of them are expressions of worship to God. When you pray, you are channeling your grief, your sad emotions, all to God. You are putting your deep difficulties in God's hands and saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust you to take care of this situation now. Whatever is going on, I believe that you will take care of it. And when you sing praises to God, You are channeling your joy and your excitement once again toward God. It's all going to God. You are turning your joy into praise and your relief into thanksgiving. That's just what you're doing. You are saying, Lord, I want to give you thanks for the good times in my life right now. The attention is all on God. That's the focus. And that's what James is getting at here. There are hard times in life. And there are wonderful times in life. And and there are a lot of times that are in between. The question is not, what kind of life will you live? The question is, how are you going to respond to every situation of life, regardless of what it is? Will you recognize that the focus, the attention, the glory belongs to God alone? And so if you are a Christian... If you're a Christian this morning, I don't know about you, but I find it diff- I find it well actually I find it a lot easier to turn my attention to God when life gets difficult. When life gets difficult. There's something about the trials of life that force you to pray to God more. There's something about that. Uh, James uh, James chapter one, right at the very beginning of the book, James says, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And James is saying there, there are difficulties in life, and those force you to rely upon God and to turn to God, understanding that he is producing faith in you. Difficulties do that. I find that it's easier to turn to God when life is difficult. I find it's harder to turn my attention to God when life is good. That's what I find. If I'm a, I think if you're a Christian, you, you kind of... You can relate to that in some way. It's hard to say, you know, praise God for for all the good things in life when things are going well. You know, wow, school is going really well right now. 
That's so awesome. Or, you know, I'm enjoying summer break right now. That's amazing. I can't wait for that trip to Disneyland or that trip to the mountains or uh, that trip to go play paintball. You know, I can't wait to buy that new video game or that new outfit or that new Apple product, you know. That's great. Get excited about those things. But celebrate the giver, not just the gift. Celebrate the giver, not just the gift. You guys remember, uh, it was either a week or two ago, we talked about uh, Job, right? I think it was two weeks ago. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In every circumstance of life, it all goes back to blessing the name of the Lord, right? And so if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you have an uphill uphill battle here. You really do. Because your focus is not on glorifying God at all. It's not. Your focus is on your circumstances. So when your circumstances are good, you're going to feel good. When your circumstances are bad, you're going to feel bad. And it's going to rock your world. And you're going to be on an emotional roller coaster depending on your circumstances over and over again. But here's the thing. When life itself goes away, when, when time disappears and eternity sets in, you will be at your worst forever. And you will feel your worst forever. That's, that's the state of the, of the, of the unbeliever, the, the one who's not a Christian. Because this life is not all there is. This life is not all there is. And so a true Christian really learns to turn all of life's circumstances into an opportunity to worship God. And so there's a right course of action for every situation of life. And at the end of the day, it all goes back to God. It all focuses attention on God. That's the mark of a true Christian. That's the mark of a true Christian. Okay. Number two. Number two. It's not just that there's a right course of action. It's not just that there's a right course of action. There is a right way to react to every situation of life. There is a right way to react to every situation of life. And that is to turn in faith. Turn in faith. Okay? So we know that there's a right course of action. We know that every circumstance is a beautiful opportunity to turn to God in prayer and to praise him. But there are times, even when you turn your attention to God in prayer, you are tempted to do it half-heartedly, half-heartedly. You know what the right thing to do is, but it's hard to do it completely. And that's James's point in verses 14 and 15, okay? So look at verses 14 and 15. This is what he says. And he says, is anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders of the church, and they must pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is weary, and the Lord will raise him. James gets more specific here, okay? It's no longer about good times and bad times. He actually gives us a specific example, a specific example. There's good times in life and there's bad times in life. But here is something that is very, very particular. And he says, 
I want to use the example of a sick person. Okay, he says, I know someone among you is sick. Someone's got to be sick. And he says, I want to use this person as an example. Let me talk about this bad situation for a moment because I want to address how you respond to bad times in your life. I want to address how you respond to bad times in your life. Yes, if, if bad times come, James says, turn to God in prayer. Definitely, turn to God in prayer. But how do you do that? How do you do that? What's your attitude when you pray? What we see here is that in every situation uh, of life, it requires faith. Every situation requires faith. So look at the situation here. This is, this is strange. The sick person calls for the elders of the church. He calls for the elders of the church. Notice, he doesn't call doctors. He doesn't call doctors to come treat him or heal him. He doesn't call family or friends. He calls the elders of the church. Why is that? Why the elders? This person is choosing to trust in God. He's choosing to put his faith in the people who have a spiritual oversight over his soul. He wants the elders to pray over him, to pray with him about his illness. That's what he's looking for. He realizes God is in control of his condition, not, not, uh, not himself, not man, not, not medicine. God is in control of his disease. So in other words, instead of choosing to rely only on medication to get better or doctors to treat him, he's choosing to put his life in the hands of God. Okay? That's the kind of gesture that he's making here by calling the elders to him. So don't get me wrong here. Medication is good, okay? There's nothing wrong with medication. There's nothing wrong with taking Advil for pain, okay? There's nothing wrong with, you know, like, you know, when Basil, you know, hurt his arm. Did you have to use medication for that? Oh, yeah, definitely, right? Because it's painful, right? There's nothing wrong with that at all, right? Nothing wrong. Uh, we, have such a, we have such a great society of medication. Use it. It's, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's helpful. But this person says, I won't just rely on medicine. I will trust in God. I will pray to God, and I will have the elders of the church come and pray for me. Okay, That's, that's what he's saying. I completely trust in God. So the elders of the church come around him, and they do something strange. They do something strange. They anoint him with oil. Okay? They anoint him with oil. And... It's, it's like, why would you do that? Like, what is that? What, what, what's exactly going on here? There are two reasons these elders anointed it with oil, okay? There's two reasons. One is just very practical. There's a very practical reason for doing this. Anointing someone with oil would help relieve some of the discomfort of your illness, okay? Um, if you can tell, my face is sunburned a little bit uh, from park day yesterday, which tells, tells you I, have, I had a really good time. So, um, But... Fortunately, it's not that it's not painful really at all, okay? But there are times in my life, and I'm sure in yours, where you've gotten a really bad sunburn, right? I mean, it's been brutal. It's it's like unbearable. You can't even sleep at night. It's horrible. Uh, there is something called aloe vera that you can take, and it helps soothe the pain of the sunburn, right? Well, olive oil kind of functions like that, not for sunburns, but for just general illnesses, okay? 
If you're in pain, if you're, in, if you're feeling dis, uh, uncomfortable, olive oil is just kind of a natural relief, okay? So that's one reason why they used it. They used olive oil because it's just helpful, okay? The other reason, and this is the more important reason here, anointing someone with oil was an ancient way of saying that you are doing something special for that person, okay? You're doing something special for them. You want to single someone out for a special reason. Uh, in this case, the elders are saying, we are taking special care with our prayer time with you. We're treating this as very important. We deeply care about you and care about the prayer we are about to make on your behalf. That's the gesture that is communicated by anointing with oil. So the person who's praying says, I trust God by placing my hands in the prayer of the elders as they're coming to me. That's his expression of faith, okay? But the elders are showing faith by saying, we are taking this time seriously by anointing this person with oil, okay? So they're all taking this very seriously. Now, this, this anointing with oil has been misunderstood by so many people over the years, okay? It's not something spiritual. It's not something spiritual like the Catholic Church likes to think it is, okay? It doesn't cleanse you from sins or anything like that, okay? It's not mystical. It's not mystical. It's not like a magic potion from Harry Potter or something that just, you know, magically cures, cures you of your disease. It doesn't work like that, okay? It's just saying, I care about this person, and I care about the prayer we are about to make right now, okay? That's all it is. And so we don't do that anymore today because, honestly, like, we, we, sh we use other methods to show that we care about people, okay? It's just we write them notes and cards and stuff like that. Uh, we, you know, hold their hands and, uh, you know, or things like that, okay? That's, all, that's, that's what we do instead, okay? So it's the same thing, right? We, you don't have to bathe someone in oil to show that you care for them, okay? So please don't do that. Don't do that, all right? Um, that's just not going to be helpful. And so uh, he concludes here, the prayer of faith, will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him, okay? Now, on first glance, it might sound like if you pray with enough faith, the sick person will be healed, and God will get him back on his feet. That's what it sounds like, okay? It sounds like a promise. It really does. As long as you have enough faith in your prayer, God will make you better. Listen, this that's not what this is saying here. That's not what this is saying. Now, this is a promise. Don't get me wrong. This is a promise. God is going to do something here. But it's not what you think it is. It's not what you think it is. It's not what you might imagine it would be. Uh, the word for save and the word for raise are two words that refer to two different situations. Okay. For example, I can say, wow, that person just saved your life. Okay. Maybe, maybe they saved, you know, like us guys, we went out and we shot guns out at the, uh, you know, Sabaloni Ranch, right, for men's retreat, you know? What if someone accidentally, you know, pointed their gun at somebody, and it's like, whoa, and, you know, like, they take the gun away from him, right? Just, the guy's totally being ridiculous, okay? It's like, wow, you just saved your life. What'd you, what are you saying? You just saved that person from dying physically, right? That's what it means. So there's a physical salvation that you can be talking about. But I can also say, God will save you from your sins, Right? That's a spiritual salvation. So there's two kinds of salvations that are going on here, okay? 
You can do the same thing with the word raise. You can say you're going to raise back up on your feet and be restored to health. Or you can say God will raise you from the dead. Okay? Two different raises. Two different saves. What James is doing here, this is interesting. James doesn't tell you which one he's talking about. He doesn't tell you. He says, is it physical deliverance? Is it spiritual deliverance? He doesn't say. He doesn't tell you. He leaves it open-ended. It's both. It's both. It doesn't matter whether God will make you better now or later. The point is it will happen. Okay? There are two ways. Two ways you can be healed from a sickness. Okay? There's two ways you can be healed from a sickness. The sickness can be taken away from you. Okay? The sickness can be taken away from you. You could get healed. Or you can be taken away from the sickness. You can die. Okay? Either one, you're healed because the sickness is gone. Okay? There's two ways to be saved. There's two ways to be raised up. Both of them are going on here because the point here is not that someone's going to be restored physically so much as that you will get restored one way or another. That's the point. If you're a Christian, you will get saved. And your faith, as demonstrated in your prayer, is going to bear that out. That's what's, that's what's going on here, okay? It's both. It's both. You could be healed physically, and that'd be awesome. Or God could choose to take your life away, and that's awesome too, because you're in heaven now. And you have a, a, phys, or sorry, a spiritual resurrection with Christ forever. That is amazing. And so James could be talking about one or the other, but I think he's talking about both. He's talking about both. And so the person could recover physically, and I've actually seen this happen. I actually uh, I had a prayer group with some junior high kids, and there was a guy in our church who got really sick. He was in a coma for a long time. We prayed for him. Doctors said he would never come out. They actually said he was going to die in 48 hours. He never died. He made a full recovery. And I, I really think our prayer was actually working on his behalf. And so prayer actually works. It can actually help heal someone physically, but it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. God doesn't always work that way. And so sometimes he chooses to let the person go, and sometimes he chooses to heal them in that moment. It just it depends on God. It's all in God's hands, and that's the point that James is after. You turn to God, and you turn to him in faith and trust. You don't know what's going to happen, but God does. Okay? That's the point. That's what's going on here. And so the question is, do I trust my God when all of life seems to fall apart? Okay? Do I trust him? Do I really put my faith in him when things seem like they're just not going my way? Do I trust him? And so there is a right course of action for every situation of life. And that is to turn turn it into an opportunity to glorify God and to give him such great attention and such great glory. And there is a right way to respond to every situation of life, and that is to turn to God in faith and trust him with all of your heart. But why? Because God cares about what you do and how you do it in every situation of life. He does. He cares about it. And that's what this passage is demonstrating. Whether there's good times or whether there's bad times, we turn to God, and we turn to God completely, okay? 
How can you practice this today? How can you, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17 years of old, old, 18 years old, I don't know how old you guys are, but how can you practice this today? Let me give you a couple of, of ways you can do this, okay? Let me give you a couple of ways, because we're not modern-day healers here, okay? We're not, we're not saying we can just pray over people and God's going to magically heal somebody. Here's what we can do, though. Here's what we can do. One, pray for people who are sick. Pray for people who are sick. Really pray for them. And pray for two things in particular, okay? We always pray for their physical recovery, and that's great. Please do that. One, pray for their physical recovery, that God will actually heal them now, today, that God will actually bring them to full recovery and restoration, okay? Pray for that. Uh, We do that all the time. We do that all the time, and we should. But pray, too, for their spiritual condition. Pray for the spiritual condition because there is no guarantee that God is going to heal them. God has a bigger agenda than just your physical body and mind. There's a spiritual component that is way more important because your spiritual soul will last for eternity. Your physical body is only going to last for 80 or 90 years max. Okay, So pray for their spiritual condition. If they're not a Christian, pray that they get saved. Make sure that's in your prayer. Pray for their salvation. If they are saved, pray that God will give them comfort in this time and that God will, that his will will be done in their life and that they will see that and place their trust in him in the midst of this very, diff, very uh, great difficulty in their lives, okay? So does that make sense? Pray for two things. Pray for their physical condition and pray for their spiritual condition, okay? Number two, number two. You can send cards to people. Send cards to people. People who are sick, that's a wonderful thing. There's nothing more encouraging than getting a card from someone who's basically telling them, I care about you and I'm praying for you. There's nothing more encouraging than that. I love that more than when people will give me, like, gift cards and stuff like that and, you know, money and stuff like that, you know, as a gift or whatever. I love a card more because I, I cherish what people say when my life is really difficult. I really do. Uh, with this Christmas in October, guys, that is a wonderful opportunity to do that. It really is. Life as a missionary is hard. It really is. And it would be such an encouragement to, what was her name, Lily? Lily? Yeah, yeah Lily. It would be such an encouragement to Lily to receive a card from you to say, hey, I'm praying for you, and, and, I, and I hope things are going well, but even if they're not, I, I'm praying for your situation there in South Dakota. Okay? That, that's, that's fantastic. That's a great way to, to really practice this. Number three, and this one may not be possible for you right now, uh, but visit people in the hospital. Visit people in the hospital. Especially like, you know, family members and things like that. You know, obviously we do that all the time. But if there's someone in our church you know really well who's sick, visit them. You know, encourage your parents. Hey, take me. Let's, let's go encourage these people and, 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 and spend time with them and, and, and pray with them. Uh, that's a hard thing to do. It really is. Uh, I, I admit it up front. Like, it's, it's really hard to just get the courage to go and just into just minister to someone in, in a hospital. But there is nothing more encouraging for that person than to do that. It really is. And so uh, you may not be able to do that now with who you, like your age, the, the age that you're at or the, the time of life uh, or with your schedule. But, but in, think about that in the years to come. Make that an important part of who you are. That when someone is not, not doing well, if they're in the hospital or they're sick or something or their life is just difficult, visit them. 
visit them. Yeah, it's just, that is such an encouragement, okay? So we've seen here what this passage is all about. It's not about healing. It's not, it's not about like this magical incantation to heal diseases, okay? That's not what this passage is. That's not what it is. It's about trusting God in every situation of life. It really is. And so a lot of people, a lot of Christians want to use this passage to say that we can heal people miraculously with our prayers of faith. Um, You know what? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's not what this passage is talking about here. So let me kind of close here, guys, by helping you think through the way healing and miracles are supposed to work today, okay? Because the question is, do miracles actually happen today? Do they actually take place? And, And, you know, if so, what do they look like? Because obviously this isn't a passage that's talking about, you know, a magical just 100% of the time if I pray someone's going to get healed, okay? That's not what it's talking about. So what is it talking about? And how do miracles work today, okay? Number, number one, let me give you a couple of thoughts here. Number one, healings today are not miracles. Healings today are not miracles. They may look like miracles, but they're not miracles, okay? They are what is called the providence of God. If someone gets healed and it looks like it's miraculous, it's just God's providence that, they, that he decided to heal them at that time. God is using uh, the, the, the resources and the circumstances of their life to just heal them. And sometimes we can see why they were healed, and sometimes we can't. Sometimes we can't explain it. But it's providence. It's not a miracle. It's not a miracle, okay? Miracles don't happen anymore, okay? And I could talk a lot about why they're like this. Um, In fact, let me give you a couple of differences between providence and miracles, okay? What are the differences between the two? Miracles in the Bible were always instantaneous. They were always instantaneous. Like, boom, the person's healed. Like when Jesus says, get up and walk, yeah, the person who could never walk in their life could just get up and walk, okay? That's a miracle. Today, it doesn't, doesn't really happen like that. It doesn't happen like that. Sometimes, you know, someone just kind of gets better. You know, like the example like I used earlier about the guy named um, Wally Johnstone, right? It's like the cancer just dropped from them. That's more of a coincidence than it is just a miracle, okay? Was God working? Yes. Did God use the prayer? Could be, but it's not a miracle per se. It's not a miracle because it's not something that was so much instantaneous. You want to know why? Because the guy had already been healed from cancer in the first place. He'd already been healed once before. And so it, the timing was just happened to be right for him to be healed again. And so it's not a miracle. It's just the providence of God. And so we rejoice in the fact that he was healed, but it's not a miracle. Okay? It's not a miracle. Number two, miracles in the Bible were always public. They were always public. You could, they were always for a crowd to see. There was always like a purpose. There was always a design to show people this is God's prophet or this is God's servant doing a miracle on God's behalf. You don't see that anymore today. You see people doing fake miracles, but they're not actually real miracles, okay? Number three, Miracles in the Bible can always be verified. They were always verified medically. 
I, you can, miracles today, you can never verify them. It's always some kind of internal disease. You can never actually confirm that they actually have the disease or not, or that they're actually healed from it. You can't verify it today. You just can't. And so people that are actually healed, it's just by the providence of God. It's not by some instantaneous miracle that the person just, you know, gets up. By the way, have you ever seen someone, like, really say, be healed from your broken bone, and the, bo- the bone just, like, magically forms together again? No, you never see that, because miracles don't happen today. God has ceased miracles, and he's allowed providence to take place as the dominant way that he is working in the world today, okay? His providence is working. Uh, and so that's, that, w- that was the first point. Second thing you need to know about this is this. Healing does not depend on how much faith you have. It doesn't depend on how much faith you have. It's not like, well, if I just believe enough and pray enough, someone's going to get healed. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. God is more concerned about your soul. He's more concerned about your soul. We just talked about this earlier. He's more concerned about your spirit and, and, and your spiritual condition. Uh, that doesn't mean your body's not important. It is. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about your disease or, or your condition. He does. But there are, there are more important things in play, okay? And so it's not so much about how much faith you have. It's about God and what he wants to do in your life at that moment, okay? Number three, this is the last one. Prayers for healing should never be made for the sake of money. Prayers for healing should never be made for the sake of money. When we pray for people, we're not trying to get money. And that's what a lot of people are doing out there, a lot of Christians. Those are false, false Christians. They just want to get money from people. And that's a lie. That's a lie from the devil. If they say, I'm going to heal you and pay me money, they are lying. They are absolutely lying. You can't manipulate God through prayer. You just can't do that. Okay? So hopefully you guys can see that this passage is not talking about miracles or special healings. It's talking about what God wants to do in your life at a particular time and the kind of faith that you have in prayer to him, okay? So that's what this passage is talking about, and it is such a fitting way to begin to close down this book because it all goes back to faith. The test of a true Christian really resides in faith. Are you really committed to the Lord, okay? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for this passage and just how it is a fitting reminder for us to be committed to you in prayer, in singing. We turn all of our attention to you. Father, help these students to do that. Even today, help them to build this into, into their lives that Jesus may be glorified, that you may be exalted, and that we may live lives that demonstrate that in a way that the world is shocked and just in wonder of how we are so committed to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So bless us now in this way, and it is in his name that we pray. Amen.